The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air across Kentucky with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is your chance to get the latest news and views on your cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. And you can interact with Tom by tweeting at Leach Report or by emailing leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call the drinksword.com hotline, 877-904-1080. Now, here's Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the Leach for a Wednesday. Coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio here in Lexington. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Chris Fisher will join us on the program today. Kyle Tucker from The Athletic. And we will entertain questions you've got as well. So tweet them in to at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Uh, or you can give us a call. But big game coming up on Saturday between the Cats and the Georgia Bulldogs, the number one team in the country, and that's going to be the main focus of our conversation today as we get into the Wildcat News of the Day, presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. Yesterday's post-practice interviews, per the norm, was uh, were, were focused on the offense, and offensive coordinator Liam Cohen and Wondell Robinson and Will Levis all talked to reporters. Robinson said, this is a game where you can't go into it thinking it's a bigger game than every other one. He said, so it's normal preparation this week, but you also need to be laser-focused going up against a defense as good as Georgia's, which ranks at the top nationally in many categories. Yesterday, uh, Liam Cohen was asked about trying to attack that Georgia defense. Uh, it, they have been uh, outstanding in the red zone. Well, they've been outstanding in about every category, but um, he, he was asked about is it essentially better to, to try to uh, – hit them with a, a home run type play than to try to drive down the field and punch the ball into the end zone through the red zone. And uh, Cohen talked about the challenge that Georgia's defense faces and uh, a little bit about how they play their defense. And maybe you'll get some insight into what you think Kentucky's plan might be here. Here's Liam Cohen. But at the end of the day, it's really about our players making plays. If you watch all the games against Georgia, uh, the people that have had success and the guys that have competed with them, players are making plays. You know, guys are rising to the occasion, making plays. Yeah, scheme is definitely involved, for sure. But this is a great op for our players to go out and be special. They're, they're playing a little bit more uh, zone coverage than they used to. Um, they're playing a little bit more zone, playing the, the run with some light boxes, you know, letting their front kind of handle the run and letting their safeties play a little top down. So a little bit different scheme than what they were doing a little bit more last year, but um, so it is tough at times to get over the top, especially when you have a rush, as they do. You try to max protect and hold on to the ball, something that's not usually a good recipe against these guys. So we just need to be smart about the shots that we do take. Liam Cohen, after practice yesterday, uh, he also uh, made an interesting comment about Will Levis that it looks like he likes to get hit early at times, kind of wakes him up. Well, that's what our friend Mr. Maggard was talking about on Monday. He said he was that way as a quarterback. He liked to, to get that first hit out of the way early in a game, and it kind of got him going. Um, so uh, interesting observation, I thought, yesterday there from Lee and Cohen. Um, elsewhere, uh, there's a uh, Rivals analyst that's the, the first one to make a crystal ball prediction for a Dembona to UCLA. So you know, file that under the... Take it for what it's worth, uh, department. Um, you know the the guys that um, 
follow the recruiting scene. Um, yeah, I don't know this particular individual, but I mean, these are guys that uh, work hard and they work their contacts. So um, he obviously thinks there's some intel there that is leaning in the direction of UCLA. But also, it's a moment in time. Uh, Bona says he's going to announce uh, next week. And so you can bet John Calipari and his staff will be continuing to work this. So good news is we'll know something one way or the other next week because uh, he has talked about uh, making his decision right after that visit to UCLA. Links to the stories that we talk about each day, you can find those on the Bud Light. <laughs> Sorry, I had to cough. Bud Light Leach Report page, Tom Leach KY. Dot com. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington, and they are located in Hamburg and in Palomar. We'll be back out of the Palomar location for our show this week with Freddie Maggard. In the meantime, we'll come back chat with Chris Fisher, the Cat's Paws. It is the Leach Report Radio Network. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Welcome back into our show for a Wednesday. And we welcome in Chris Fisher from catspaws.com. Chris, uh, had a friend asked me earlier today uh, in a chat, this is the Kentucky biggest football game for Kentucky since when? What would you say? Um, I would say definitely um, right up there with the 2018 game against Georgia, um, at least in my lifetime. Um, I can't speak to really anything before that, but like that 2018 game, this is a game against Georgia to basically determine or at least you know give the inside track um, for the SEC championship to represent the East at the uh, SEC championship game in Atlanta. And so um, I would say these two games are the uh, – the, the, those two Georgia games are, are the biggest Kentucky football games of, of my lifetime. Yeah, it's uh, – I um, put this one ahead of, of that one in, in my uh... – Buddy and I were discussing this. We it was that one or the uh, game against Florida in 2007 when they had just beaten number one LSU and then game day was coming right. to town. But the thing here is you've got you're playing the number one team in the country for the top spot in the East, so that puts it a notch above 2018, I thought. And then um, the uh, other thing about it is that if you can win it, you know. Not only are you in the driver's seat for the East, but you get to have some other kinds of conversations that would be unprecedented for Kentucky football. So uh, this is, you know, obviously a mammoth opportunity. Um, and uh, we were talking about this earlier in the week on the show. I think, and we'll see if you agree, um, that Kentucky's maybe better equipped to handle this, uh, all the hype around this game and the distractions that come with that, uh, as opposed to um, – you know, three years ago when they were in that situation for the first time. Yeah, this is this is rarefied air for uh, this Kentucky football team. You talked about the differences between this game and and 2018. Um, 
yeah, you win this game, and and you're you're right there in the conversation for the college football playoff. And you mentioned the 2007, you know, Florida game. Kentucky starting off, you know, six and one, had a win over number one LSU, and and really you you know you look at the the second half of that season, and things kind of fell apart. They lost to Mississippi State. They you know ended up winning the the Music City Bowl, but you still finish eight and five. But there are a lot of special things on the table for this Kentucky football team. Now they're 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 banged up a little bit and we'll see how the second half of the season plays out and you know Tennessee I think is better than a lot of people anticipated. I think even Louisville despite the 3 and 3 record is probably a little bit better than a lot of people anticipated, but um the impossible dream for Kentucky is is on the table and that starts with a, a trip to number 1 Georgia and um with college game day in town and so you're talking about you know, the eyes of the, the college football world will be on Kentucky this week. And Kentucky's kind of become the darling of, of college football this season. It's kind of a, a Cinderella story and, you know, making over 70 years of, of history with uh, with this 6-0 and start. What kind of chance do you give them on Saturday? You know, it's going to be a tall task. There's no doubt about that. I mean, when you have two uh, basically top ten teams, Kentucky just outside the top ten, but uh, when you have uh, one ranked team favored by more than three touchdowns over another ranked and undefeated team, that says a lot about uh, this Georgia football team. They're uber talented on, on both sides of the ball. That defense, I think, I think you can make the argument this might be the best overall team that Mark Stoops has played at Kentucky, but there's no doubt that this is the best defense he's seen uh, at Kentucky. The UK hasn't scored a touchdown in either of its last two games uh, against Georgia, although I think this is a little bit more of an explosive and and dynamic offense than than the previous two meetings, but um, it's going to be a a tough task, especially when you consider it's on the road, and um, I'm not sure what the weather conditions are going to be like for uh, for this weekend, but uh, you're talking about at least at the midway point of this season, one of the all-time great defenses maybe ever in in college football. I looked at the weather actually last night, and it's calling for temperatures in the mid 70s and uh, no rain to speak of in Athens. So it was a a constant downpour there two years ago, and uh, Georgia basically gave up on throwing the football too, and Kentucky wasn't throwing it much anyway with with Bowden. So it should be in a, a more normal circumstance weather-wise. Um, Dennis writes into leachreport at gmail.com that the new depth chart on the defensive line is concerning. And that's that's a valid point. I mean, you, you, Marquand McCall, I mean, Oxendine has played great, but um, Marquand McCall is, is the biggest uh, loss, figuratively, and uh, literally in there because uh, you'd love to have him plug in the middle and you know he was getting a good push up the middle against uh, pass rushers so you know as well as uh, Rodgers and uh, Hayes have, have played they're not McCall's level. Yeah, when you look at Kentucky and Georgia, they're two very similar teams. They want to beat you in in similar ways. They want to run the ball and you know stop you on on defense and you know, I think albeit a more talented Georgia roster top to bottom. I think Georgia's recruited about as well as anybody over the last four or five years, at least since, you know, Kirby Smart um, has been there. Talent is not the be-all, end-all. We saw that in the LSU game, um, a much more talented LSU team. That doesn't mean you're the better team, uh, per se, but um, uh, they're they're very, very uh, similar and, and – um, 
we'll have to uh, to wait and see how that plays out. Uh, I do agree with with what uh, something Colt Kublik said that Kentucky's going to have to find some explosive plays. They're not going to be able to grind their way down the field against uh, this Georgia defense. I think they're number one nationally in, in a number of categories, but but number one in, in first downs allowed. And so uh, Kentucky's going to find some going to have to find some explosive plays, and I think they can do that with the way Will Levis played against LSU. You look at obviously Wandale Robinson and the type of weapon that he is. Uh, on the outside, Chris Rodriguez had a really good game against Georgia in Lexington last season. I think one of the, the few 100-yard rushers that they've allowed in, in recent years. And so Kentucky has the pieces to do it. They just have to uh, to, to find a way to, to get some chunk plays. Kentucky has uh, one of the stats where they really improved is their touchdown percentage in the red zone. So they're not settling for field goals. However, in a game like this, Matt Ruffalo, I think, could be uh, a big key for Kentucky uh, because, uh, you know, it's not like you're going to get down to scoring opportunities with regularity against this defense. So if you can hit a big play to Wandale Robinson to get a, you know, a chunk play that gets you 30, 35 yards and you get down around the 30 yard line, you know, if you can get three out of that, you know, two or three times and, you know, say you'd get three of those, three field goals and a touchdown, and maybe you've got a chance at around 16 points. Yeah, I think it's going to take one of those game-changing type plays for Kentucky to to spring the upset, especially on the road. You mentioned Matt Ruffalo uh, potentially in the kicking game. Points are going to be, uh, I would think, at a premium in this game. You have two of the top 20 scoring defenses in, in college football, two of the top three. Uh, in the SEC, but you know, you look at the 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 blocked kick, the blocked field goal against Florida, and and how that changed the momentum of the game. And if you can take Georgia, you know, kind of deep into the water into the second half and keep it close, all of a sudden, the uh, you know the the pressure is going to shift to them, and um, you know maybe they'll get tight. Uh, Stetson Bennett isn't a guy that. Um, you know, really scares you, I think, at the quarterback position. Obviously, he's he's very good and he's very uh, efficient in those things. But Kentucky was able to hold them to 14 points in Lexington last season. I think this is a much better defense than the one Georgia saw last year, even without, you know, Marquand McCall and Octavius Oxendine in the middle. So um, Kentucky's going to need the, the interior part of that defensive line to, to step up. But the other pieces are there, and uh, it's, it's going to be a slugfest. Let's shift to uh, basketball recruiting. Uh, Dembona is going to be visiting UCLA uh, next week. Um, there uh, seems to be a, a, lo- a little buzz out there that is uh, making the Big Blue fans anxious. What are you hearing? Yeah, I, th- I think that would be accurate. When, when Kentucky first extended that offer in, in mid-August, this seemed like pretty much a done deal. But ever since that point and you know, missing on Derek Lively, this has – the feel of a recruitment that's starting to slip away a little bit. I think uh, UCLA was able to gain so much momentum during Kentucky's pursuit of, of Derek Lively and uh, their their pitch to Adem Bona and how they're going to use him and let him play out on the floor. And uh, he said he models his game after Bam Adebayo, and he's you know labeled Kentucky as his dream school uh, in the recruitment process, but. Um, Despite Bam Adebayo and you know other guys at, at Kentucky, their success, you know, Carl Anthony Towns and Boogie Cousins and Anthony Davis and those guys, I'm not sure he's particularly sold on how they were used at Kentucky. I think he's 
afraid of, of being shooed into being a screener and a, a garbage man collecting, you know, offensive rebounds around the rim and those types of things. I think he wants to display his offense and, and play out on the floor a little bit. And I think that's given uh, UCLA a, a, a definitive edge here of the last couple of weeks. But I think Kentucky's still in the fight. They're, they're not conceding him to UCLA by any stretch, but I think his official visit to, uh, to UCLA, I think it's next weekend, will decide a lot about where he ends up. And he is still planning to make his announcement right after he does that visit, right? I believe so, yeah. yeah. He's going to make a decision shortly after that visit and, and sign in the fall. So we should have a decision sooner rather than later. And if Kentucky misses, as as we know with the transfer portal, it's not the end of the world. It remains to be seen whether Oscar Shibway and or Damian Collins come back to Kentucky for another season. I think that might be your ideal scenario to get one of those guys back as a sophomore. But if Kentucky misses on him and, and loses, you know, one of those guys on the front court, they'll they'll definitely hit the transfer portal where there should be a lot of uh, quality options there. At Chris Fisher twenty four seven on Twitter, catspaws.com on the web. Thank you. All right, thanks so. Twenty six past the top of the hour. It's the Leach Report, Radio Network. Served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. We'll be right back. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Just set your alarm clock a little earlier starting Monday. Doesn't have anything to do with the uh, annual time change for our society. This is a time change for this show. Uh, Matt uh, announced on KSR yesterday about uh, they're adding a, a one-hour pre-show uh, at 9 Eastern, so the Leach Report will move to 8 Eastern time starting uh, this coming Monday. Uh, and so it's 8 Eastern, 7 Central. So make sure you are uh, with us and you adjust your schedule. And if you uh, can't make us make it on a given day, well, we'll give you an excused absence as long as you listen to the podcast. Our uh, Wildcat News of the Day segment, by the way, I've neglected to mention this, presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. It's a great place to go after the races at Keeneland or before or after a U.K. game. Uh, we're heading there for a birthday dinner uh, later this week. Fantastic seafood, steaks, and fresh pasta in a really uh, – Fantastic setting. Live jazz music every night. we got the new climate-controlled patio. So check it all out at Giuseppe's and Giuseppe'sLexington.com. Racing resumes out at Keeneland today. Uh, 1 o'clock first post for the Wednesday card. And uh, my uh, long shot play of the day on the Today at Keeneland show went to the second race at 8-1 to one horse Warbird. So take a look at that one. I like Turner Loose in the uh, Jessamine Stakes coming up at the end of the card today but uh, if uh, let's say a full field a tough one we'll be right back with Kyle Tucker can't get to a radio you can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com now back to the show we are coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. Return, refresh, and refuel at Clark's locations across the bluegrass. Make sure you download their app. They have some fantastic specials each month as well that uh, you'll be hearing about a little later in our show. So we welcome in Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com uh, to talk a little Kentucky football. Um, had a listener, uh, Henry, uh, email me about uh, a memory of a big uh, win for Kentucky over a number one team away from home it was uh in it beat number one Ole Miss in 64 and it wasn't a true road game I guess because they played in Jackson but Ole Miss played 
a few games a year in Jackson in those days, so it was still pretty close to a, a road game if it wasn't officially one. Um, this got to be one of the the biggest you know Kentucky games. Uh, in its in its history, they were in the spot against Georgia a few years ago. We were talking about maybe the the game day game with Tebow in town against Florida in two thousand seven. But uh, there haven't been a lot of opportunities for Kentucky to be in this kind of spot. No, there haven't. And this, uh, when you talk about big games. This is <laughs> this is the biggest the biggest of the big game. Um, I think it's an it's an interesting spot to be in. Um, it, you know, when I look at the when I even just look at the the Vegas line. Uh, you, you know, I'm trying to think of another scenario where you've got a an undefeated SEC team playing another SEC team and, and is like a more than a three touchdown underdog. Um, doesn't happen very often, but uh, it, in a you know in a strange way, in this very very big game, Kentucky's kind of playing with house money that they really don't have uh, anything to lose, and that's a rare situation. Too, uh, to come into a game like that, you know, six and zero, and almost in the top ten, and feel like you're kind of um, playing with house money. But I, I think that's where they are, um, and I think they can they can just basically <laughs> come out swinging on Saturday and see what happens. I, you know, I don't think anyone will think they're a disappointment if they don't win. Um, but obviously, everybody kind of knows what's at stake if they do. Um, then it changes really if they find a way to win this game i think it changes everything about kentucky football in the in the near and long term how so well i mean in the near term they got a chance to a great chance to win the sec east and in the long term i think it just says okay well there's really nothing what what can you not do <laughs> at kentucky you know, there's this big fear right now that uh, Mark Stoops will uh, be lured away after the season, um, you know, because he's done so well building at Kentucky where it's a difficult place to build. And there's a, there's a I think, a widely, if not universally held opinion that there's a ceiling on how high Kentucky can go. And so does Mark want to go to a place where, he can, where that ceiling is even higher? Um, but if you go win at Georgia, at number one Georgia, to get to 7-0, and to be the front runner in the in the East at that point. To be, I mean, here's the other question: if you're if you're Kentucky, and which has had to kind of scratch for its respect this year in the polls, and you go win at number one Georgia, and you're the only undefeated team left left in the in the SEC, are you number one <laughs> the next week? Uh, I'd have you'd have a hard time convincing me there's an argument against it. So, you know, in the long term, it changes the the possibility of you know or, or the idea of what is possible at Kentucky, um, and so you know I, I do think it's a pretty big long shot. I just when you look at raw talent, it's like Alabama and Georgia and you know Clemson and Ohio State are just on another plane. Um, but those teams have been beaten before, so let's see. It, it's I'm I'm really intrigued just to just to see um, what you know what what this looks like on saturday um coming in what well, two things let me go first to one of your colleagues at the athletic did a uh, a piece about the remaining undefeated teams i think there are 13 i don't have the story called up here at the moment but uh and you know one of them and, and he analyzes the teams and at the end of the each team's analysis it he gives them on a scale of one to ten where you know what number they get as far as being a, a you know playoff contender and so like Texas San Antonio is, doesn't get a high number 
obviously. But uh, Georgia, he gives you know ten out of ten out of ten. But and Michigan gets you know eight and a half out of ten. But Kentucky gets seven and a half out of ten. So uh, which suggests to me, and that's one writer's opinion, but that you know that that maybe a, a three touchdown margin because the the Vegas line is 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 essentially a public opinion poll. That's what you know they're trying to drive money on both sides. So they're trying to set that number at a point with you know in line with what they think the public thinks to uh, generate money, but I suspect that uh, if you uh, analyze this a little more deeply, that that, that number looks, that point spread looks, looks a little out of whack. Certainly, Georgia's going to be a, probably a, somewhere north of a two-touchdown favorite, but maybe not three. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is they have beaten everybody by that margin. <laughs> you know, they, True. They, they've, already ha- they've already danced this dance with, a, with a, a team that was in a similar situation, Arkansas, you know, has a couple of huge wins, Texas and Texas A&M, um, you know, and, and everybody's singing their praises and they're in the top 10 and they're kind of this, they're, they and their coach are, are the talk of, of college football. And then Georgia just lay, lays waste to them. Um, and so, you know, it, would it be crazy to think that happens? No, especially not at home for Georgia. Um, but yeah, I can certainly see a scenario where Kentucky is, is in the game in the fourth quarter. I think some things have to go their way um, because there is still, for all the great recruiting Kentucky's done and, and some of the equalizer of, of the transfer portal. I think that's the other story of this, by the way. I, you know, Not to get too sidetracked, but the transfer portal also changes things for a program like Kentucky where you've, okay, you've recruited really well but we always talk about, well, really well in the SEC still puts you somewhere in the middle, but can you close the rest of the gap with a handful of really important transfers like Will Levis and uh, Jacquez Jones and Wondell Robinson? Do those put you over the top? Um, so, you know, but, and even still, uh, I think Georgia has such a ridiculous talent level uh, that it can get away from you in a hurry and has for all these other teams. But that, I think there's a scenario as well as Kentucky plays defense. You know, can you get that timely play? I mean, the kind of plays it takes are the Josh Pascal blocks a field goal and, and Trevin Wallace returns it, you know, 76 yards for a touchdown in the, in the right moment. Um, and, and so if things like that happen, I can, you know, I can see them having hope. And, and I think if you got hope going into the, into the fourth quarter, then who knows? It's, you know, it's up for grabs. You've done stories on, you know, Levis and Robbins a couple of Robinson, a couple of guys you, you mentioned there. Um, and I'll see if you agree with this, that I think three years ago, Kentucky was in this spot, similar spot. They were playing Georgia uh, for control of the East, uh, essentially. Uh, and uh, they uh, got, uh, there was a lot of hype and, and build up to the game. And then it was really over pretty quickly. Georgia got a big punt return, scored early and kind of uh, jumped on Kentucky and, I think it ended up like thirty four seventeen, but Georgia was was just in control from from the start. Um, but I, I, my sense was that you know it was that was new for Kentucky's players, and they'd built to that point, uh, and maybe they uh, were a, a little overwhelmed being in that that moment. I sense that these guys will not be, and it's part of that's because you know some of them were were there as in the program at that time three years ago, and then you know with guys like Levis and Robinson just. Their demeanor suggests that they won't get uh, caught up in all of that, and they'll be comfortable on that stage. And then we'll see what happens. But what's your take? 
No, I think that's exactly right. And it's been sort of a theme of this season, you know, the, the big game. Uh, and Mark, Mark said after the Florida game, you know, we want to be in a lot of big games. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that's the thing about kind of knocking at the door and, and you keep, coaches use that expression all the time. You know, you keep knocking on the door and eventually you kick it down and, uh, just kind of go through Stoops' tenure. I mean, of all the doors they've kicked down, of all the, the ugly streaks and the, the, just the historical things where people, where that kind of hangs over your program's head, you knock down the, the ugly, things the ugly losing streaks to florida and tennessee and whoever else um those things happen in your building in your building uh, and then you go from like trying trying to erase ugly memories to trying to do something where the where the storyline of the game is positive like this is this moment where kentucky can do something incredible incredibly positive not just smash down something incredibly negative um and so there been there have even this season it feels like there have been three big games already because everybody looked at that missouri home game as people are going to be amped up you know first of all it's the first big home game with full crowd in the stands uh it, it looked like it would be the toughest of the first four games and you're hoping you can get to four and oh um and and they come out and they play really well in that and had you know could have could have played even better but they 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 rose to that challenge, and then Florida's this very, very big game, the biggest game, and you play great in that game. And then LSU was, can you back it up? And and that's a big game uh, in that way. Not that I thought LSU. I mean, I, I think a lot of people believe they were going to beat LSU, um, but then they they came out and played that way and just absolutely destroyed LSU. And so I think they, they you're right. They they have guys who who don't seem rattled by the big game, and I think just over the last few years too, they've built to the point where they played in enough of these um, big games that they, you know, that it may go differently. Uh, I think I think you're exactly right in that way. That that just over time you have to you have to build up the the experience to know what that feels like, and it doesn't sort of change maybe your approach or your or how amped up you get. Talking with Kyle Tucker from the Athletic dot com and. Uh... Before we get to the the break here, uh, you guys, I th- thought I saw one of your Twitter posts. You guys have another uh, special going on for new clients. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think it's actually uh, indefinite right now. They're doing uh, doing the fifty percent off. Uh, I don't I don't know that there's an end date on it right now. <laughs> there you go. So, so. Um, yeah, good time to take advantage of it. Basketball season's just around the corner too. We'll talk a little hoops with Kyle when we come right back. It's the Leach Report, quarter before the top of the hour. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington, and Wild Eggs is in Palomar and in Hamburg. And whichever one you go to, you're going to get a fantastic breakfast, brunch, or lunch, including their award-winning mimosas and Bloody Marys. We'll be right back. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Chat with Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com. Mark Wise used to be on the analyst on the Florida Network, now does games for uh, for ESPN. He said he just filled out his preseason SEC ballot for the all-league team. Talk about a tough job with only five spots. League might be as deep as I can ever remember. I'd say he's right about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were just talking about the transfer portal for for football. 
basketball, obviously, uh, you can you can dramatically change your fortunes with a couple of players in basketball and, and with the right uh, right transfers. And, and a bunch of the league took full advantage of it. Mississippi State is kind of a sneaky one. Um, obviously, the the usual suspects: Arkansas, Alabama, others, um, Kentucky combined really really good recruits with uh, really really good transfers. And, and I think the league, you know, really is going to be terrific. You look at Kentucky, Tennessee, Auburn, Alabama, Arkansas. Uh, LSU and Florida, I mean, all the way down, and, and Mississippi State, I, I think there's eight or nine teams that have to feel really good going into the season that they are, you know, NCAA tournament quality um, teams this season. So um, I certainly don't think uh, Kentucky, as as good I think as Kentucky did in the offseason at, at um, sort of overhauling the roster in a way that makes you pretty confident they won't they won't be bad again i don't know how good they'll be but i know they won't they won't be a bad team um but i don't think you could say kentucky is you know head and shoulders above the the conference right now and that's not even necessarily a knock on them there's just several really good rosters you know top to bottom talk to somebody who's seen some practices and it wasn't mike pratt but it was somebody else who said one of cal's uh, cal's biggest challenge right now or one of them anyway is deciding how he wants to put the, the the troops in place if you will or, or put the chess pieces on the board because you know he has uh depending on you know what five guys you have out there you could have uh, several different type, types of teams oh absolutely i mean that's that will be the most interesting thing to sort of observe and monitor in the early season um is how does he want to play and does he feel confident that he can play um you know, three or four different ways and, and flip that switch back and forth and that goes seamlessly because he, he certainly can. Uh, you know, I, I talked to him for a long time, to Cal for a long time for our, our uh, sort of state of the program piece, looks at the whole program in the short and long term. And, and um, you know, in the short term for this season, with all these transfers, all this experience uh, and all this depth, he, he basically said, you know, initially, I'm probably going to decide based on which five guys are the are the best defenders, and and will fight the hardest. You know, that will make them. And Davion Mintz referenced that that Cal has been really hammering them all summer uh, on this is a fighting Kentucky team. Um, you know, even referenced the first game. Said Cal was talking to him about the first game, which happens to be Duke. Um, you know, and said they're going to come out swinging in that game. Um, and so, you know, when you have a really veteran team. And it is crazy to think about as young as Cal's teams have been, the fact that this is, this is not just an old team by Cal standards. This is like about as old of a team as you could assemble in college basketball. Yeah. Um, you know, with a couple of six year guys who have a hundred plus starts. Um, you know, and then you could have your top six guys if you wanted. You could put, you could have your top six, uh, be guys who've all started at least 50 games in college or 40 games, I think at least. Um, and so that gives you an opportunity to have some fighters, to have some guys who are physically mature, who are mentally um, sort of prepared to, to go in there and not lose focus for an entire game. Um, but also, you know, he says he wants that, and he says that those are going to. That's how he's going to decide the, the starting five, who's going to fight and defend. But he could also put a team out there that just wants to shoot you to death. You know, I mean, um, he's got for in another rare instance in his time at Kentucky, he's got. 
a roster full of shooters. Uh, so he could play with one big or even, you know, sort of a small ball big. You could put Keon Brooks or somebody uh, down at the five mm-hmm. in that scenario uh, and then surround him by shooters. And so, I, you know, I really am intrigued by that. The one thing that he's not really super well positioned to do is the thing that has driven some people crazy over the years is play with a lot of too big uh, lineups. They're not, they're actually not really constituted uh, to do that very often. And, uh, and so I think, you know, mostly we're going to see, um, the kind, a kind of Kentucky team that's not exactly like any of the, the teams he's rolled out there before. Uh, less than a minute here. Just a quick thought on, you said you spent a lot of time with him. Uh, what's your read on, uh, anything that's different from past, uh, cows that you've talked to or been around? Well, I think he's got, he's got an ease about him. Um, and Mintz, Davion Mintz referenced that as well, that he could tell sort of the, the pressure that, the, or, or the, I don't know if pressure is the right word, just sort of what's been lifted off him in terms of how he can coach this team. That he doesn't, he doesn't in any way feel like he's got to go through the remedial, you know, kind of the remedial math of, of, of the preseason that he's so used to. And, and that last year really killed him because they didn't have as much build up to the season. Now he's out there. You know, he's just talking ball. He's coaching pretty high level basketball from day one. Um, none of the freshmen have to play. And so that he doesn't have to cater to them and what he's teaching. They're going to have to catch up. And, and I think because there's so many veterans around him, guys like uh, Ty Ty Washington and Bryce Hopkins have caught up. You know, they're, 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 they're sprinting alongside the, the older guys trying to, to keep up and earn their time. And, and I think. Cal has looked around and and said, you know, this is kind of old school. You know, it's not like he's never coached veteran teams when he was at other places. He just hadn't had one like this uh, at Kentucky. And so I think there's some there's an ease about him that he has some certainty of what what's what he's got. And and a lot of times he's feeling around in the dark for a couple months. I think at the beginning of a season. Kyle Tucker, uh, theAthletic.com. Uh, thank you for the time as always. Thank you. Come back. Close out this edition of the show. Just a minute. 